This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode was recorded in Australia and is presented by Fluent Commerce, the leader in smart cloud native omnichannel order management at fluentcommerce.com. Welcome, everybody, to another recording of Fashion Is Your Business. We are here on location at the online retailer program, and we are in partnership with the Nora Network as well as Fluent Commerce. It has been uh, a great, great program um, and uh, just some fascinating characters. And from what I understand, this staged uh, content was tremendous, and uh, we've been having a great time here at the Nora podcast booth. And I'm here with Selena Knight, uh, who is a retail strategist here based in Sydney, and she has a fantastic podcast of her own, which is called Bringing Business to Retail. What's going on? Oh, thank you so much for inviting me to come on. This is a really fantastic opportunity to get in and say hello and to interview Brendan, who you're about to introduce. And I think this... This whole conference has been fantastic, not only for the networking perspective, I think it's really important as online people who quite often we're sitting in an office, sitting behind a desk, sitting in a warehouse, to actually get out and connect with other retailers, but also the knowledge that's been disseminated while we're here has just been fantastic and completely implementable. Absolutely. And uh, of course, uh, to reintroduce our uh, guest is uh, Mr. Brendan Sweeney. He is the general manager of e-commerce across the cotton on group brands. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location. Here are your hosts. Welcome to the show, Brendan. What's going on? Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I kicked the uh, the whole jet lag thing. I really uh, that bit me in the butt the first day, and then I was kind of smooth sailing from there. So today I'm feeling great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? You enjoying Sydney? Tremendously. So I mean, every every chance I've gotten, I've just been walking around with my headphones on, and sometimes taking them off just to listen to the sights and sounds and. It's been a great, great experience. I've been staying out in Bondi. It's beautiful. Ah, great. Going for my morning strolls for the sunrise. Beautiful. What is this? Well, you're quite lucky where the online retailer conference is. We're right on Darling Harbour. So you literally just have to walk out the door to see the beautiful harbour. Yesterday, I was uh, during the golden hour. I was walking out and you saw all the... uh, the buildings behind the harbor just lit up. Oh my goodness! Tremendous. Anyway, wait. Let's uh, let's 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 move on to Brendan and forget about my reflections on Sydney. I'll uh, give everyone a good uh, hand on that at another time. But uh, Brendan, why don't we start here? Why don't you give us a kind of a overview of who you are and what the Cotton On Group is all about? Yeah, sure. Um, the Cotton On Group is uh, it's an Australian business that's gone global. Uh, we're quite unusual in that perspective because uh, Australia tends to be a little bit uh, insular from a retail perspective, given the distances. Um, but we're we've actually got um, seven retail brands now, um, spanning everything really from children's wear to teens and and adult businesses, uh, mainly in fast fashion. Uh, and we also have an apparel and gifting brand. So we're we're now up to uh, fourteen hundred stores in nineteen countries around the world. Um, fourteen hundred stores, you said. Yep. That's a far cry from the little cotton on that I went to many, many, 20-odd years ago in Western Australia. Yeah, you know, um, it's it's an incredible story. Most of it's happened in the last 10 years. Uh, you know, if you were sitting here 10 years ago, we had 200 stores, and we just opened the first overseas store in New Zealand. 
So the last 10 years has kind of been explosive growth for the business. Um, you know, added uh, 1,200 stores and, uh, and 18 countries to the portfolio. Okay. Um, can you talk through some of the brands real quick without going in too much depth? You, uh, you mentioned it was for, uh, it's, a, it's a brands group, but which ones are we talking about primarily? Yeah, so we've got our kind of core um, cotton on brand, which, which, which is adults casual clothing. Mm-hmm. We've got a cotton on kids business. We've got cotton on body, which is uh, apparel and activewear. Uh, and uh, we, we also have um, two teenage brands called Factory and Supre. And, and we have a, a stationary and gifting brand called Typo. Tremendous. And how long have you been uh, uh, work, uh, working in the capacity of general manager of e-commerce there? So I joined just over three years ago. Excellent. But I've been in the e-commerce space for about, about 15 years. And how long has the company been prioritizing e-commerce prior to you? Well, I- interestingly, we only built our first website five years ago. What? Isn't that amazing? Are you kidding me? And which brand was that for? It, it was for Cotton On. Um, but it was literally, you know, three people in the corner homemade website yeah um, you know we've been so busy opening stores around the world and uh, and I think um, you know historically Australia has been a little bit behind the northern hemisphere in e-commerce sure. um, but I think um, you know we've been taking it seriously pretty much from the get-go and in particular over the last three or four years for context what type of revenues are we talking about annually uh, so the overall group turns over uh, just over t- two billion dollars. Two billion. Yeah, that's with a B, right? Yeah. I, I pronounced yeah. that correctly. Yeah, I'm not sure sometimes with the uh, the accent difference. And how yeah. much of sorry, how much of that comes from e-commerce revenue? Uh, close to ten percent now. Yeah, um, you know, and we're, we're we're growing very very fast. Uh, it's it's by by far our fastest growing channel. Fantastic. Who's your target audience? Like, who is your customer? Uh, essentially, um, millennials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we, we actually have a kind of reasonable span across the brands now. I mean, we've learned a lot. We recently launched a, a loyalty program that spans across all seven brands. Um, but we kind of start off at about 13. Um, but our, our core customer is, is around uh, 25 to 29. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then our kids' business as a slightly older customer as they kind of you know, get to that, that life stage. How have you found the transition? You've come into e-commerce at a point where it's accelerating exponentially. So having been in commerce myself for over 10 years, one of those version 1.0 websites, what we've seen in the last three years is just dramatic. So how do you keep up with the pace of what's happening? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, I, I consider us to be very lucky um, because we, we've, we've got great brands and we have a really good global physical network. So, um, you know, if we think about, you know, as I was talking about this morning, 99.9% of the e-commerce market is outside of Australia. Um, you know, we're fortunate that we've already got store footprints, distribution networks, uh, and, and awareness of the brands in lots of other countries around the world. Um, so, you know, to us, really, it's been about you know, building the capability to be able to do, to do the things well that matter in e-commerce uh, and building the right partner ecosystem uh, and then making sure we're just taking a global view to, you know, how, how, we, how we actually scale our model effectively. So, um, you know, we've really been, been busy playing catch-up, um, but, you know, we've been doing that in a way where we try to bring together all the channels um, and integrate, you know, things like um, click and collect, store returns, um, order in store, ship to your door, loyalty, after pay, all those, all those things. So um, really a lot, a lot of uh, my time over the last three years has been about, um, about being able to build, build a great team. Uh, we're also super fortunate that we're, uh, we're a privately owned business. Um, so it's, it's actually a, it's a lot easier to move quickly in a, in a very pragmatic, very entrepreneurial, privately owned business than it is in some of the big corporations. And so do you have the same team that runs e-commerce across all of 
the different brands or does each brand have its own e-commerce team? Um, it's a little bit of a blended team, actually. So uh, the stuff that makes sense to do centrally, we do centrally. So things like customer experience and, and uh, loyalty and operations and customer service, uh, we, we, we run that centrally. Uh, and then the actual, um, you know, the, the, the marketing side in terms of the provision of the creative assets and things um, happens in brand because they're clearly closest to what the brand stands for and closest to their individual customers. So it's, it's, it's very much a you know, collaboration across the whole business. And, and I mean, e-commerce kind of touches everything. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's about how effectively we can collaborate both with, with markets and, and with brands uh, and, and the central function. So when you're thinking about e-commerce holistically, um, you know, are you looking to build out solutions proprietary inside internally? Or are you looking more for, uh, you know, that kind of agile style of just looking for solutions that exist and then deploying them inside and making sure that they're they're implemented properly. It, it, it's a bit of a mix. I mean, we, we, we've moved the whole the, the whole kind of um, technology side of our business to a much more agile model. Um, but that, that's a, through a mixture of our, our own capability in-house plus some really great external partners. Uh, and, you know, if there are really good software solutions out there, uh, we would adopt those rather than build all the stuff in-house. Um, I mean, I think it's an area where... Uh, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense to, to build a lot of stuff in-house anymore. Uh, you know, there's best-in-breed solutions and there's, you know, some great cloud-based solutions and infrastructure. Um, you know, so generally we will go after those, uh, but what, you know, we'll, we'll maintain the core capability on, um, you know, the, the customer experience, the roadmap, the prioritization of, of, of the integrations that we're doing. Uh, but the majority of stuff will go and look for, uh, you know, who are the right system solution partners to work with. And how much of your work is um, aligned with the in-store experience? So, of course, you know, we know it's incredibly important to mimic each other or work together, right? So we went from Omni to Unified and all that good stuff. So uh, how, how, how collaborative is that environment in, in Cotton On? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we actually try not to think about the channels and just think about the customer. Um, you know, because what's really, really clear is the customer doesn't think about the channels. Uh, you know, they just think about, you know, Cotton On as a brand uh, and whether it's, you know, our marketing campaigns or whether it's the, the, the shopping channels, that they're, they're, they're really indifferent. Um, and, you know, I, I think in an ideal world, people sort of think somewhat naively it would be perfect if everything was the same. Um, but there are times where it makes perfect business sense to, for example, run different offers in different channels, dependent on you know your stock positions or your economics of serving the customer in, in, in those different channels. Um, but we, we've got a structure now where we try to you know integrate two ways. One, one is integrate with the with the brands, uh, you know, because essentially we're providing a, a you know a platform for for the brands and and. And we're actually, by a mile, the largest marketing platform. Uh, you know, we're, we're a business that's historically not spent much money on traditional marketing. Um, you know, our view is if we have a, a great proposition wow. and we, we pay lots of rent for stores in good locations, then uh, that, 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 that's our marketing. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, if you take visits to our websites, um, if you take, you know, the, our emails, it, it's by a mile our, our largest marketing platform now. Uh, and it's got a really important impact on, on the performance of our retail stores. Well, I mean, when you're thinking about things like uh, click and collect and things like that, so of course our partner over here with Fluent Commerce provides those types of solutions. Are those things that you're also looking to deploy on the e-commerce side that's aiding the initiatives on the retail side? Yeah, I mean, we've we deployed um, store to door and click and collect over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, both really, really important in, in terms of uh, you know connecting the customer with with our stock um, and click and collect. Obviously, is a really important role in terms of driving footfall to our stores. Uh, and and we find typically one in three customers will will purchase something else when they get to store. Does IoT and like smart mirrors and walls and all that stuff tie into your world or? 
is that technically the e-commerce side? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're involved uh, across the business in terms of thinking about store of the future. Mm -hmm. um, we're, I, I mean, we're kind of slightly cynical about some of the technologies out there for the sake of technology. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's lots of examples around the world of uh, what I would call stores for the analysts mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that never get scaled. Um, you know, they so get to press, us, though. Mm -hmm. They get good they, press. They, 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 they get press, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, for, for us, the filter is, you know, does it make sense from a customer point of view and is, and is it commercially sensible? Um, you know, and, and, and we think actually, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's some more fundamental basics in most people's retail experience. Uh, you know, I talked this morning about, um, you know, anything up to one in, one in five customers, uh, you know, comes into a store looking for a certain size or color that we don't necessarily have. Um, you know, we'd much rather put a huge effort into fixing that because they're yeah. already in the store. They've already got their wallet out. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if we can do a better job anticipating their demand and connecting them with, with, with the right stock. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, when I look at all the feedback we get from our customers, uh, you know, none of it's about, you know, wanting holographic models in store or wanting yeah. fancy mirrors, um, you know. 70% of our feedback comments are about the store experience they've had from, from our team in store. Yeah, uh, and you know what just we're just having the product that they need when they need it, and and, 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 and having a great team who welcome to the store, service yeah. them, have got good knowledge about the products, and they feel great about the fact they've given us their business. Yeah, we were talking to uh, Q Clothing earlier today, and they do a tremendous job of uh, using their retail locations as like distribution centers, essentially. Yeah. So really interesting. What we'll do is we'll take a quick break now. Uh, when we come back, we're going to really dive in um, specifically around how you're attaching to your target market, which today is millennials and tomorrow seems to be uh, Gen Z. So uh, definitely both uh, the unicorns um, <laughs> that everyone seems to be uh, trying to run after and it seems like you lassoed them in. So uh, more when we come back here at Fashion Is Your Business at uh, the online retailer program in Sydney. Hey, hope you're enjoying these recordings from Online Retailer. Uh, surely enjoyed being out there in Sydney and connecting with the retail environments out there. So it's exciting to bring you these insights. I uh, wanted to take a moment to thank our partner uh, for bringing us out to Online Retailer, which is, of course, Nora and Fluent Commerce. A little bit about Fluent Commerce. They are the leader in smart cloud-native omni-channel order management. What does that mean? Uh, they help businesses be faster and more convenient to shop with by giving them a single view of their inventory across all channels and the ability to automatically route orders to distribution centers or store locations depending on stock location, customer proximity, and shipping rates. So really cool stuff. They actually have some unbelievable clients such as uh, Samsung, French Connection, JD Sports, Top Shop, and a ton of other brands that you probably have heard of. Um, learn more about Fluent Commerce. Um, and what they can do for your company over at fluentcommerce.com. That's F-L-U-E-N-T commerce.com. Hey, everyone. It's Mark Rico. Uh, got some pretty interesting news. Uh, have you heard of Remode? If you haven't, it's the premier event promoting growth and sustainability for the fashion industry. And it happens in Los Angeles on November 13th and 14th. It is the only event at the intersection of fashion technology and sustainability with a mission to offer fashion brand decision makers the ideas, the solutions, and the contacts that they need to thrive in today's changing environment. 
If you go to Remode, you're going to engage with over 150 speakers like Rebecca Minghoff or Joey Swillinger, the co-founder and CEO of Allbirds, or Rosario Dawson, the co-founder of Studio 189, and leaders from big companies like Google, IBM, Reformation, Eileen Fisher, Levi's, and a lot more to shape the future of fashion. It's two days. It's an action-packed agenda that has been curated to offer the most innovative and practical solutions for today's business challenges, including things like building a sustainable brand, the ins and outs of funding direct-to-consumer brands, winning with wholesale, the secrets to exponential retail growth, on-demand manufacturing, and more. You must register, and you can do it at REM. ODE.com. That's remote.com. And check this out. If you use special promo code mouth media, that's all one word during checkout, you'll receive an additional $100 off your remote two day pass. Again, that's remote.com, R E M O D E.com, and use code mouth media at checkout. And Fashion is your business's own host, Natalia Makalova, will be on site. Make sure to say hello. We'll see you there. Brendan, you said that you relied traditionally on bricks and mortar stores to bring in the customer footfall, and you're only three years into e-commerce. So e-commerce for you is still relatively small, but you have seven brands that mostly target the same demographic. So how are you integrating cross-brand promotion to your existing customer database? Uh, That's a great question. Um, And and I think historically our seven brands have been very siloed. They've they've just thought about their customer and and frankly they've thought that the customer only shops with them. Um, So one one of the great things about about e-commerce is we've been able to actually bring some data and and introducing loyalty has also brought some data to that. So I think um, the, the first thing is actually, rather than worrying too much about cross-promotion, um, the first thing we did was actually put all the seven brands on the same website. Uh, because once you, you make them all conveniently accessible to the customer, then you start to understand how the customer will relate to the different brands. Uh, and as soon as we did that, we saw um, you know high, higher footfall, higher conversion, larger baskets, and, and over half the orders were, were cross-brand. Um, we've also uh, done that in, in a lot of our store formats now. So, so generally... Um, we're remixing our space allocation to uh, to fewer, larger, multi-brand stores where, where we put the most associated brands together and make it easy for the customer to shop that. And, and our loyalty program um, you know, has given us a really clear picture. Um, multi-brand customers are almost three times as valuable as single-brand customers for us. And, and, and we can see very clearly you know, opportunities to link people across different brands and into different categories. Um, you know, for example, um, Supre is a kind of teenage girls brand. Uh, and we can see as people sort of come out of that from an age perspective, that we can, we can actually link them into our Cotton on Adults brand. Uh, we can see people buying maternity who are you know, fairly predictably going to become purchases of, of baby products. Um, you know, so actually our, our loyalty data it enables us to kind of look at those segments and those, those cross-brand journeys. Um, but I think people can make this a lot actually too complicated. Um, you know, I think um, I, I used to look after um, the Flyboys loyalty scheme, which is the largest grocery loyalty scheme in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there we segmented to one individual customer. You know, so you would have your own profile and your own specific targeting. Um, you know, actually, most of our brands are targeting millennial females. 
So, so you know, if, if you're buying a dress from us, then it, it's probably a reasonable assumption that you're also in the market for a handbag and a pair of shoes and, and some underwear. I, I think, you know, sometimes people can try and get far too sophisticated and uh, get lost in a kind of world of data and complexity and sort of miss the, uh, the bigger, you know, opportunity to just make sure we're speaking to the widest possible audience. But with that comes the responsibility of being, being relevant to that audience. Yeah. The millennial uh, demographic, it, it spans. It spans from what you just mentioned is, you know, uh, uh, women that are 25 years old all the way through, um, you know, having a couple of children and just being at completely varied life stages, right, within that bracket. And, uh, you know, attaching to these uh, kind of life cycle moments is super mm -hmm. important. And I can see how you could tri triangulate that through the different brands. But uh, ultimately, I mean, like, how do you then use e-commerce to provide them, I guess, suggestions that are relevant to them, whether it's outfitting, whether it's their homepage that's unique to them? Like, mm. what type of customization efforts are you doing on the e-commerce side to make sure that, you know, whether I come in or, well, wouldn't be me, <laughs> but what if I do come in, like, you know, just individualized experiences through the uh, the online portal. Yeah. So, so I think um, we're actually going to start further back in the funnel because um, you, you're right. I mean, you know, with a span that we've got actually, for example, the, the media mix that the, the different segments use is quite different. So, for example, you know, we'd invest quite heavily in, in, in Facebook for our, our kids' business because mums of Australia spend most of their time on Facebook yeah. for um, businesses like, um, like, like Supre and Typo, which are a much younger demographic. Uh, you know, it's, it's all happening on, on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of starts a bit further back when in the When do funnel. you see Facebook aging out, though? Uh, we see it as still important. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's good for them. They own both Facebook and Instagram, yeah. uh, and I think you know, the models will end up being being relatively similar. Um, but certainly, what, what we see with with the the younger, you know, is going to thirteen to twenty year olds is yeah. um, you know because when we ask them the question about what most influences their fashion choices, it's uh, that the number one and two are Instagram and their friends. And and, and yeah. Facebook doesn't even feature with uh, with, with, with that segment. Not right. even influences. Yeah. So are you using any styling recommendation engines? Are you looking at... Um yeah, so we, 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 we use the um, Demandware Commerce Cloud uh, and, and uh, as part of their um, Einstein Artificial Intelligence, um, that, that, that's got some uh, you know, complete the outfit type recommendations. Uh, we're actually at quite an early stage in the journey on that. We're, we're, we're pretty excited about the potential. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're thinking about that in terms of... Um, not not just you know when you click on a category what does it recommend but actually more throughout the entire shopping journey mm -hmm. so you know for example uh, if if I'm buying some underwear does it recommend uh, you know matching tops if I'm buying a t-shirt that happens to be on a multi buy offer that offers value to the customer does it recommend you know, um, you know similar types of t-shirts but points out that you can save money by buying that uh, and indeed um, you know our our foundation charity products are quite important to our business as well so what's what's the right point in in the customer journey to to suggest that customers might like to support our, our charity so uh, you know we're, 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 we've started on that process uh, you know I think we're we're still pretty much in the foothills uh, yeah. I think we, we've got lots of opportunity around how we better personalize that Lo loyalty is part of the kind of unlock for us um, you know we launched a loyalty scheme six months ago clearly that gives you a whole load more data mm -hmm. where you're understanding behavior across all channels uh, and then you know thinking about how we use that data to be able to, to be more personalized in the experience are subscription boxes in the future for you guys because it seems you're perfectly fit for something like that potentially yeah uh, I mean 
as I said right at the very beginning, you know, what, what excites me is the unlimited growth opportunities in the space. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's one of them. It's kind of a question about uh, wh where does that fit in? You know, is it ahead of opening, you know, uh, you know, the Middle East or Brazil as a new marketplace? So, uh, you know, uh, but we, we definitely think, um, you know, particularly across uh, our menswear and, and, and potentially our children's business that there could be real potential for that. You mentioned personalization, but in reality, your personalization is still in its infancy. That's very basic personalization. If you had the ultimate in personalization for that millennial customer, what would your e-commerce experience look like? Well, actually, where we've put most of our effort in personalization is actually at a product level. Uh, and, and that's been uh, a, a huge success for us. So, um, you know, in, in the run-up to, to Christmas last year, we actually set up our own personalization operations around the world. Where And, and indeed, as you've seen in, in the booth here, we'll, we'll personalize your diaries and journals for you. Uh, you know, we personalize kids' sleeping bags and pajamas. Um, you know, so anything from printing, embossing, embroidering, um, you know, that we've seen a real appetite for actually that, that personalized products to allow people to, you know, enhance their gifting experience or to just elevate their expression of themselves so we've, we've actually put a lot of our personalization effort into into the product side but in terms of as an e-commerce e customer who your loyalty program is obviously the the data that's driving all mm -hmm. of it i bought this so i might want to buy that what would that experience look like for you what would the the ultimate cotton on millennial customer or the ultimate cotton on customer see mm -hmm. when they came to your site if it was at its peak well i, I think um Fundamentally, you're trying to triangulate um, inspiration and convenience. Yeah. So how, how can you inspire somebody by outfits that are going to be a good fit to them, knowing you know, what, what, what sort of styles they, they, they like to buy? Yes. So, so I think there's the, the inspiration side, uh, which, 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 which is a real kind of holy grail to try and get that, that personalization right. Uh, and then I think there's the, the whole kind of convenience side as well of, uh, you know, how do you make it really easy for customers just to, to make those decisions and, and to, to, to actually simplify their lives. And I think if you can get style down pat, your average order value is going to skyrocket okay. because having something that I actually want versus something you think I might want yeah. is the difference between buying and not buying. Yeah. And we're actually um, we're planning in a couple of months to launch visual search, but we're actually quite excited about the possibilities of things like visual search, uh, and then you know people taking you know social media shots and uploading those, and then using some of the artificial intelligence to actually assemble those sorts of outfits for customers. Um, I think something like that will be a real game changer. We work closely with a company called uh, Stylytics out in uh, New York, and uh, they are looking, in fact, to come into Australia and start talking to retailers over here. But they do style recommendations, outfitting, uh, including box suggestions and things like that for large companies over there. So it might be an interesting tool and an introduction to, to put your way. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so I want to move shift focus. You spoke here at Online Retailer. Can you tell us a little bit about the presentation that you had earlier? Uh, yeah, I was really talking about two areas. Um, I was talking about um, making a, dif a difference in the world and, uh, you know, core to our business is making a positive difference in the world we operate in. Yeah. Uh, and I talked a little bit about our, our charity, the, the Cotton On Foundation, uh, and the work we're doing to, to try and, uh, you know, solve quality education for, for youth in, uh, in underdeveloped markets. Um, and we're, we're on, a, on a mission to create 20,000 education places by 2020. Um, so that's something we're, we're very passionate and very proud about. We uh, set it up 10 years ago, and uh, we've already got uh, over 10,000 children a year graduating from schools that we've built. There was a slide or two that I saw as a snapshot. Of course, I was uh, uh, busy in the podcast booth, and I didn't get to, to see it firsthand, but a couple people came up to me and showed me slides uh, showing some staggering numbers. 
I think three million plus in the last several hours uh, that were that were donated to charitable different organizations while you were sitting there. Um, can you unfold that? Like, uh, can you give me some clarity to that, please? Yeah, sure. I mean, so we got our charity that raises about fifteen million dollars a year by selling um, you know, products like water um, through our stores, and, and all, all the money goes to charity. Um, but we've we've always been kind of debating, you know, what else could we do, and are there different models? So uh, we we did we did a, a, a test this year with a, a lady called Carrie Bickmore, who's who's quite a famous TV presenter in Australia. She unfortunately lost her husband to brain cancer a couple of years ago, and she set up a charity. So uh, we got together with Carrie, and and she she's got a concept of uh, beanies for brain cancer, which I think the U.S. translation is hats. No, beanies no, you, you work. Got beanies too. Okay, beanies work. Um, so we worked with her, our designers designed the products, uh, we sourced them through our, our supply chain, uh, and Carrie launched it um, on the project, which is one of her TV shows, um, and it was just incredible. Uh, we sold a quarter of a million units in, in uh, just over a week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the slide that I showed was actually the, uh, the Google Analytics slide that showed uh, almost 80% of the sales were, th were from mobile. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think we peaked at uh, $3.5 million in, in an hour, which was kind of when the ad break broke. So uh, it was an incredible ad for, uh, you know, the wow. convenience of mobile. You know, people didn't have to get off their couches. And uh, we had, uh, I think, 66,000 orders in an hour. That's unbelievable. Now you're also allowing people to at the store level to actually donate also, right? So attached to their current purchase, they could say, okay, a dollar here, a dollar there, might go to different select charities. Is that correct? Or uh, no, we've actually got a really simple model, which is, um, you know, we've, we've taken a bunch of everyday products that are good value. So water, tissues, mm -hmm. mints, uh, re re reusable bags. Uh, and 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 those are what we call our foundation products, uh, where yeah, if the customer buys those, then 100% goes to charity. Uh, we actually sell one one of those every three seconds around the world. So, you know, customers have been super super supportive. It's incredible, right? What what impact a brand can really make? It is, and I have a question, which is, millennials have been stigmatized as being selfish and only caring about themselves. So, on paper, you would. It, it seems like they wouldn't want to support charity, but yet every three seconds you are able to get them to dig into their wallets. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that depiction is is Completely really misunderstood. Off, yeah, you know, sure. I mean, uh, the, the reality is that everything that we see is um, you know that they care about who they purchase from, they care about where their products have come from, they care about what the business stands for. Um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't talk about it today because of the, the limited time that we've got, but uh, you know, we're doing a huge amount of work way upstream on sustainable cotton uh, and you know the, trying to improve the livelihoods of the cotton farmers in Kenya um, you know th this stuff really matters uh, and you know we, we see exactly the opposite we, we you know and, and 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 we're not doing it because we're trying to appeal to the target audience we're doing it because it's fundamentally what we care about as a business um, but you know a benefit of it is you know it, it does resonate really strongly with with, with our customers you're getting the customer buying yeah. that's fantastic you know, as you move to more sustainable models, and whether it's in the fabrics or otherwise, I mean, there's bound to be a lot of backlash. Um, and I'm wondering how you guys mold or just internalize that. So, for instance, we're uh, speaking with Nina Shariati. She's the head of sustainability at H&M. And, of course, they have a massive, massive footprint. And um, no matter how much they are doing to 
to make impact or be mindful, there always seems to be that other side that says, well, no, since you are fast fashion, it doesn't matter. There is always going to be that contrary to what you're doing. Um, how, how has the company kind of reacted to that sort of sentiment? Uh, I mean, I think, I think the reality is as an industry, there, there is you know, a huge journey for us to go on. Uh, you know, fast fashion is still relatively young as an industry. Uh, and, you know, it, it's quite a complex set of supply chains that keeps moving around the world. Um, you know, we spend a huge amount of time, um, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, everything from, you know, living wages and, and good nutrition um, to sustainability of, 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 of the upstream supply chain. Um, but, you know, it's 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 a journey that will never, ever be done. Um, you'll, you'll actually rarely see us come out and try and claim any victory because, uh, you know, we, we feel that uh, we're making good progress. Um, you know, any kind of external benchmarks give us good gradings, but we think as an industry, there's still so much more for us to do. Given your target market is quite price sensitive, how do you implement those sustainable aspects and still keep the price at a level that they're going to be comfortable paying? I mean, I think that the, the, the core of our business actually has been born out of effective sourcing and supply chain management. Um, and, you know, the, the model doesn't work if you're not offering good value to customers. Uh, but there's there's lots of opportunity, uh, you know, all the way through the profit and loss account. If if you can get more volume through a more efficient store format, so you can afford to reinvest that back in pricing for customers. That's great. And now to end off this segment before we go into break. Um, so as the millennial uh, bracket ages out, and then now the Gen Z kind of bracket comes into your target uh, demographic, uh, how are you thinking about different ways to to connect with with them? Uh, I think actually at at, at the most fundamental level. Um, the profile of our workforce mirrors the profile of our core customer, um, which kind of makes things a lot more intuitive. So we're, we're not the sort of business that you know, tends to do lots of um, futurology trends and forecasting. Um, you know, our, our average team members in, in, in our business are about 27 years old, predominantly female. So um, they understand you know, it. We, we just kind of intuitively understand those mm -hmm. customers. And um, it's not to say we don't do research, we do, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's a quick turnaround research with, with our own customers. Uh, and then it's about being able to just test stuff and respond quickly um, you know we, we we pretty turn over about 40% of our product range every month um, you know so in, in, in that we're just constantly testing and responding you know, stuff that doesn't work and, and you know we'll, we'll always have stuff that doesn't work uh, we kill it and get out uh, stuff that does work then we, we chase it and try and go big on it uh, and then because we're in you know both northern and southern hemispheres we can sort of follow trends around the world quite a lot as well excellent well we're going to go into a quick break when we're back, um, a lightning round of off-the-grid questions uh, where we're going to learn more about uh, our guest, Brendan uh, Sweeney, a little bit more personally rather than professionally here on Fashion Is Your Business at the online retailer program with Nora and Fluent Commerce. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, 
the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. And now, it's time for Questions Off the Grid, with Fashion Is Your Business. All right, and we are back with Off the Grid Questions. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and spin our little bit of Wheel of Grid Destiny to see uh, who... Um, we'll ask the first question uh, of the evening, and uh, it is spinning, it is spinning, it is spinning, and it lands on you, Serena. Oh, fantastic. Oh, I love a good juicy question. So my question to you, Brendan, is what do you fear the most in life? <laughs> oh, um, that's an interesting question. Maybe death, because um, I, I quite enjoy my life and I wouldn't want it to be Cut abruptly short. Do you feel like you are going to leave a legacy with the life that you're living now? Uh, I hope so, in some small way. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy uh, building businesses and I enjoy you know, developing teams. So, uh, yeah, I hope so, in, in, in some small way, that uh, I'll leave, leave the world a slightly better place. And some people will be much better dressed. <laughs> okay, another. Uh last spin and a meaningless spin of uh, the this wheel and uh, of course it falls on me um brennan i'm wondering uh you know since you know i've i've kind of identified my perfect way of walking around and exploring this city already i'm wondering what your perfect sunday looks and feels like oh i think um Probably, uh, I live in Melbourne, not in Sydney, but um, if you get down there, the coffee is even better in Melbourne. I'll be there uh, on Saturday. Yeah, great. Uh, well, so I think uh, it's, it starts with, uh, with with a brunch in a nice cafe with the family. Uh, and then if the weather is good, I like to uh, either get out of my bike or uh, get out on the kayak on the bay. Do you have any children? Yes, I've got two. I've got a, a, a boy and a girl. Very nice. How much inspiration are you taking from them with the work that you're doing? <laughs> I was going to ask the same question. <laughs> uh, they're, they're a little bit on the young side, actually. So, uh, yeah, Liam is only three and a half and, uh, and Ella will be one next week. So uh, oh, well. I, I, I think um, <laughs> probably more, more going forward. What type of folks are you looking to connect with these days? Oh, everybody and anybody. I mean, I find uh, events like these really useful. Um, you know, I also like to connect internationally on, on the e-com world. Um, and, uh, and and actually, I find it's there's so much growth potential in the industry. It's it's a, a remarkably collaborative space. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so much we can learn from each other. Great. And what is the best way to connect with you or the business, however you want to put it out there? Oh, I think... Um, you know, obviously, lots of connections through things like LinkedIn, um, but 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 to me, it's it's actually the, the personal connections are, are the most valuable ones. So that's Brendan Sweeney on LinkedIn. Yep, that's the best way to connect. Yeah, excellent, um, Brendan. Such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for coming on board and sharing. Thank you, and uh, of course for my co-host. Uh, what a pleasure thank having you. a little joint recording today. And I'm smiling away. I've had so much fun. So thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And why don't you give a quick plug into uh, your podcast and what's going on over there? If you're a retailer and you're looking for implementable strategies to help you grow, head on over to the Bringing Business to Retail podcast, which you can find on iTunes or any of the usual places. And you can grab grab those implementable strategies that you can take and use in your business right away to see growth and sales profits. 
Excellent. Ooh. Wasn't expecting that question. <laughs> Such a pleasure having you on board with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for myself, Pavin, that is, uh, that is it for this episode, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. Thank you. This has been Fashion Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, fashionisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.